Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast, and I, I think I, I think we got the prestige this week, baby. Uh, it's it's one of the few Martin Scorsese films I've seen that's not an out and out mob movie. It's not not a mob movie though. I was shocked okay. to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is directed as I mentioned by Martin Scorsese. The screenplay is by Paul Schrader and Marduk Martin. It stars Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, two gentlemen I think that need no introduction, especially after last year's Year of the Gangster. Uh, and of course our home alone coverage, uh, and also Kathy Moriarty who bedeviled Sherlock Holmes for so long and also saw, uh, was a starred in things such as neighbors, white of the eye, soap dish, Casper analyzed this. I saw cope soap dish and Casper, but it, she didn't stick out to me. Uh, great in this role. Raging bull had, have you seen this movie before, Jim? What do you think of it? No, it's my first time watching it. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, I know that people, you know, talk about this movie with the highest of praise. Um, and obviously, after the year of the gangster, and for a long time, I've been a Martin Scorsese fan. Uh, I will say, coming out of Raging Bull, this may be controversial. It was hard for this movie to impress me because I have seen so much Scorsese and this is very much in that Scorsese mold, right? It takes the kind of life of some very believable characters, believable performances and just sticks you there and sort of walks you through, you know, a protracted timeline of their life, their, their rise, their fall. Everything you've seen in every Scorsese gangster movie is here in Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty early example of it. And I think if I had seen Raging Bull first before I had seen Casino, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, all the shit that he's done since, I would be far more impressed with it. And I'm still impressed with it. I think it's a great it's a, a great film with some amazing cinematography, uh, kind of creating some visual languages that you know, boxing movies kind of didn't have up until then, but I could have been more impressed if I had not been as familiar with his work. I was, I walked away pretty impressed with it. Um, but I do think you're, you're, you're talking about something that I, I can relate to. Like, uh, I've, I've talked about the guy Ritchie problem where it's like, uh, is yeah. your favorite guy Ritchie movie snatch lock stock and two smoking barrels rock and roll. It's probably the first one you've seen. And the other ones will feel like they're derivative, right? Right. Because he does make a particular type of movie with a particular type of sensibility. A lot of times the same actors and you have the same mm-hmm. thing, especially here with Martin Scorsese. But I, th- I thought about like, this is the first time the world at large got to see Joe Pesci. Right. And what a fucking debut performance. And like him and Robert De Niro just dance in this movie. Yeah. Uh, that like, but also this is kind of a pale imitation of what they do in like casino. Right. Uh, the shit yeah. that they get up to in Godfellas. Um, but even then I really liked it for, for that. Like, um, this is also kind of like Robert De Niro has this like male insecurity trilogy uh, with for Scorsese too, where it's like, I was shocked at how fucking weak this uh, uh, Jake character, this, this, yeah. this boxing character was like, and this is something I think Scorsese likes to play around with like these very, like they're only strong in one single dimension, mm-hmm. 
you know, like if you're they're like a column that can just take all kinds of pressure being exerted on them. But if you, you if you attack it from the side, they just snap like a twig. Um, it's just like oh, he is ferocious in the ring and he's got that tremendous physical strength. And that's it. This man is just a ball of insecurity, a ball of like, you know, ideas of masculinity mm. and male female relationships. It just fucking don't work. And for for like the first act of the film, I was like, does the film know what the hell they're getting into? And then I'm like, oh, no, this yeah. must be the whole point. And again, that's that's one of the most talked about things. It's just like how weak this guy is and how it just ruins his fucking life. He can't enjoy anything because of these massive insecurities. Um, yep. And but it's, it's a tragedy that way. Surprising things to me is I was gearing up for like some kind of inspirational boxing movie where Jake LaMotta would be the hero, the good guy. And every time Jake comes on screen and I get to know more about him, he gets further and further from the hero, the good guy, right? Yeah. He becomes the animal that they describe him as at the beginning. And it, you know, th- this idea of the, the toxic masculinity is another sort of Scorsese, uh, you know, talking point, right? Like he goes into that with the gangster stuff he does constantly. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of one of the defining features of most of his characters. And so to see it here in raging bull again, it was like, you know, I said a rehash, but it was, it was interesting. Like my perspective on what I thought I was going to get versus what, the movie actually delivers and how that yeah. changed my perception uh, of the character over the course of the film. You know, the other thing I've been thinking about, cause like um, I felt like I've heard a lot of people get pissed off at like, you know, you mentioned the word toxic masculinity and that's something we've talked about a bald move a time or three <laughs> get, get, getting, yeah. uh, you know, since seeing how's how a lot of the first things we covered was all kind of centered about these, these male figures, these, these problematic men, right? And I was just like, I sometimes get really pissed when I see something like this from 1980s. It's just like that. This is the thesis, man. Yeah. And yet, like, how is this considered like some kind of new thing? Like, mm-hmm. are, is this like a uh, um, what is that uh, movie with Ed Norton and, and Brad Pitt uh, fight club? Is this a fight club situation where people like are glorifying the wrong things? Like how good uh, Jake is in the ring and Maybe. like what a fucking Chad he is just knocking dudes out and chopping them down like trees and all the and they work just completely he puts miss, into it. Right. And they completely miss all his other moral failings. Cause there's also another kind of like, he has a little bit of a moral fiber in that he doesn't want to get into mob money. He doesn't want to, to help that way. He doesn't want to debase himself by throwing a fight. And by the end of the movie, he compromises on everything. And that's uh, the, the time immemorial story here, right? With these, especially like the right. Italian uh, heritage uh, sort of culture there that Scorsese delves right. into. It's like these guys have like some moral code that they want to live by. And in the end, they always betray that for some other end, right? Like whether it's money, whether it's success, whether it's power, whatever um yeah it, it's a staple of of his stories well that's the other thing is like also like um you know going not to scorsese but uh coppola you know uh yeah everyone talks about the godfather and like you know what a like you know like you know what a masculine archetype he is but you know what the godfather loved his kids didn't slap his wife right like Vito didn't go in for that shit he yeah. had a, a a woman that he was that, that loved him and he was true to her and he he kept after his family the best he can, and like 
it's all of his other. It's it's like all the other shit that like the like Michael's the one that can't keep his family together because right. he's just like uh, again. I, I, I you, know, you could spill a ton of ink about what's wrong with fucking Michael Corleone, but like I just like it's it's crazy to me that like people got guff for for essentially doing the same thing that uh, uh, Scorsese is doing this film, which is holding up this like ideal of masculinity, this extreme machismo. Um, the like it's like the frame these guys hold, and like uh, like an, an early movie is all about like you know com- like defending yourself from the accusations of being effeminate or mm-hmm. for loving men, for example, being being gay. Holy like, shit! You they know, use that uh, other or, f word a thousand or, or times. Being like a, or being like a wo- being being like a woman, being less than a man. Yeah. And like holding up that ideal causes these guys to lose everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how is this not seen as like extreme social justice warrior propaganda? This is seen as like a consensus top 10 greatest American movie. Martin Scorsese's yeah, uber four. masculine guy. Like, how does like like what the fuck? How come Robert De Niro doesn't get drug as some kind of SJW uh, poster boy? Because he's 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 the, the movie's completely bought in what is going to be later controversial 30 years down the line. It seems yeah. crazy to me. Um, I mean, I guess uh, yeah. If you if you have a guy just beating the brains out of another guy, like that makes the that's the sugar that makes the medicine go down. But right, the medicine is there to take, and it's it's bitter. It's bitter if you think there's you know the way to win a woman's affection is to relentlessly control her and make sure she's not around any other men and right. That's what kills brother. me. Did fucking double standards, right? That every dude in these movies has where they're going to fuck around all they want right they're going to take other women to dinner they're going to fuck other women they're going to do whatever they want and it's all cool because i don't know they're dudes but if if their wives even like say goodbye to someone the wrong way with too much affection uh they're they're in for a beating it's yeah it's wild it is wild. And that's like before, like I, I got all this just on my first watch and I started doing a little bit of research and I'm like, apparently uh, Vicky, his, his the, 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 the woman that he ends up falling in love with early on in the movie, real life, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say that in the movie <laughs> too. Did they? Re- okay. Cause yeah. I like, I thought it made sense that like, cause he has a whole downfall arc and I don't want to get too much into the, the, the heavy duty spoilers that like is, is a little bit related to that. Yeah, and I yeah. wondered if they were saying something about that, too, that because it does seem like that's that's another theme that like this guy. The another thing that he got is like this kind of Madonna horror complex where it's like, you know, he goes for these women and they even talk about it like, oh, this isn't this is a type of woman that you just see once and you fuck them and forget them. You know, this is like a one of them, you know, quote unquote, good girls you get a hold of. But it's like. He hates himself so much that like if a girl will have like if there's something that snaps that like, well, shit, if she had sex with me, she'll have sex with anybody. Yeah. You know, because he sees himself as this big palooka, I guess. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this guy is so fucking insecure. The only place he feels secure is the boxing ring. And I also wondered, is part of the thing they're pushing is like he seems kind of a Rocky type, though he just. Like every damn fight, it must have been. He was, this guy must have been hell on wheels to watch because every single fight went to the last round and had huge last minute thre- theatrics. He's way down yeah. in points. He's got to knock the guy out. Like that's like, is is he get is does he, does he get in the ring and let people beat the shit out of him because he thinks he deserves it? Because there's almost like this got kind of like punishment. I, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if it's there's like some yeah self 
uh, loathing going on there. He doesn't seem super aware, though, right? Because there's a scene in the movie where, like, he's down in the dumps and he's just like, oh, shit, I've gotten in real trouble here. But why are they picking on me? Because I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy they think I am. When he's most definitely exactly the guy they think he is. Probably three times worse, honestly, if we really got inside this guy's head. (laughs) Absolutely. And so I don't think he's self-aware enough to be like, I don't know, maybe subconsciously. The the mind can play weird tricks on you. But yeah, to get in the ring and like take a beating, I think he's proving to the other guy that they don't have what it takes. Even if he lets them beat on him, they don't have what it takes to bring him down. Right. Yeah. 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 Because he does that with Sugar Ray. In this movie. Yeah. He lets him just go to town. And that's goddamn. Talk about the cinematography in that this movie. That is the scene that stands out to me. That backlit uh, thing that they're doing with Sugar Ray. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Holy shit. That's good. And he just beats him senseless. But Jake takes it right and says, you never got me down, Ray. You never got me down. I, I. I got to say, like, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, maybe we should do the thing that we always do, which is like describe the movie up front before we get too far further into it. So that uh-huh. people that want to see it can can do so. So Raging Bull is about a real life boxer, uh, Jake LaMotta, right? Yeah, Jake LaMotto, I think is his name. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Jake LaMotta. Yeah. Lamada. Okay, Jake Lamada. Lamada Lamado. Uh you say well anyway. You say Lamada, um, I say Clamato. He's a real life boxer that was kind of like in the uh immediate aftermath of I guess World War II, like in the forties to fifties, contemporary of uh Sugar Ray Robinson, Robinson. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leonard is the guy who was right. my Sugar Ray when I was growing up. Uh and uh, you know, was was uh like one of the champions in like welterweight kind of um and and it's about him trying to get his shot you know he wants to box on his own terms he doesn't want to cozy up with the mob he doesn't want to take a fall he wants to get a shot at being a contender and how he continually gets in his own way with as i said his massive insecurities and paranoia and it's about it's the film is about that the hell that this guy has constructed for himself when he's so close to having heaven mm-hmm. and you know there's yeah it's just it's just a real tragedy it's a real tragedy it's an amazing performance from like de niro yeah uh, like he wears like heavy prosthetics to give him this crazy kind of like boxers like slab jaw face and nose he gains like i guess the film pause production to let him gain what'd you say he gained like 60 65 pounds, pounds? yeah and it looks like it. Like, I always felt like, um, you know, when uh, Christian Bale gained a whole bunch of weight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but that like, all went to your gut. Like, you still look like you look like Christian Bale, except for your eight months pregnant with a food baby. Oh, right. <laughs> Robert De Niro just swole up, man. This guy, like, yeah. I don't know whether they like maybe helped them out and they, they added some filler. It's also filmed in like this very stark black and white, which made it seem like. Uh, not just a period piece, but a film from that period, like the mm-hmm. way it's filmed. And like, I, I don't know if the boxing, like it's not the best boxing I've ever seen. And we're going to be seeing a new movie uh, um, coming up Southpaw that is acclaimed for it's having its good boxing action. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the cinematography that went into it, uh, maybe that's where we can start because like, I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of boxing movies and now you have too. What did you think of, the boxing and the way the boxing was shot in this film. 
Uh, it, it's somewhat sloppy in the wide shots. I think like you can tell a lot of time the people are not hitting each other. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I, the the thing that stuck out to me is the brutality with which this films boxing. Um, when it does a close up and it's spurting blood from cuts, like it, it's kind of over the top, but also like I think it's intentionally over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to give you that feeling of like this is a brutal contest that's going on here um, and it's about more than just like the the competition of it it's about something deep seated in this character uh, that both lets him you know take those shots but also deliver them uh, there are a couple of scenes that stand out like his fight versus the the pretty boy the J- Jardine or, who, or whatever his name is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one stands out and then the Sugar Ray Robinson one yeah, stands pretty out no more Right. Which I, I guess where that line comes from. I've always heard people say Must that. Be. But yeah, it's got to uh, be. And it's very fine. Like this other thing is like you see this movie is so fucking influential. Yes. Um, Like this is there's a scene like this. That scene was bit hard by Fight Club, you know, when mm-hmm. Ed Norton, you know, had to destroy something beautiful. Um, there's a couple of times I don't I don't know how often like they do this in boxing movies prior to this, but there are a couple of times where like you'll see the camera when someone gets hit and they're falling and it kind of follows mm-hmm. them in that off kilter way down to the yeah. mat. Yeah. 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 That yeah. might've been pioneered here. Uh, Cause Scorsese's a pretty flashy director, especially back in his early days. Uh, he'll mm-hmm. do things like that. So I thought the boxing stuff was excellent. It, even if it wasn't like technically the best boxing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I thought some of the early boxing, like I, I appreciate a boxing movie. If there's any defense at all. Like if someone is like yeah. intelligently defending their core or their face from the onslaught, they're getting that immediately knocks it up a notch. And in the uh-huh. first act, or um, I felt like they were doing that, you know, when he's a younger boxer, especially yeah. his opponents were like, you know, um, intelligently defending themselves. And I thought that was good. But like some of the cinematography where they like, just put you inside this insane person's head. Yeah. This movie's bookended by uh, old fat Jake kind of like doing the stagey performance stuff because he does this essentially dinner theater late in his life, the, the make ends meet and at clubs and stuff. Um, but he talks about how, like in the first one about like the roar of the crowd and, uh, like what that sounds like and what it remember. And there's a couple times where, um, Scorsese really cranks up the camera and gets it going 30, 40, 50 frames, uh, per second and slows that shit down. Mm-hmm. There's a couple points where like, you know, uh, De Niro's waiting for his guy to get up and he's just kind of like kind of Dan. He's got this single minded kind of like bloody look in his face and the f- uh, and the camera really slows down and all the screams of the crowd. I thought it was just distorted in the sound like these animal bestial sounds. Yeah. Uh, this is crazy kind of like lion, like bird screaming and monkey screaming. Um, you hear all that and like it just seems on and I guess they actually did put real animal sounds and like the sounds of like uh-huh. car crashes and things. They just give you this unhinged soundscape that's like you think it's playing in his mind as the camera is spinning. And it probably is all happening very fast, but it's just very slow and the sweat pouring off his face. I thought that stuff was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like I really thought I was watching something like you said, primal primeval. Mm. Uh, animalistic um, and he used this as an array of like sponges and gloves and like uh, tubes ran under people's hair pieces and stuff to give these like massive like just gouts of like sweat and blood pouring off of these guys 
And it really like I, I guess like the legend says that he did black and white because he thought the the blood would be too much if he did it in color. But like, I, see I don't know, it'd probably be a hell of a thing to see it in color because it's really effective in black and white, too. I've seen colorized. It, well, I don't know if they're colorized or if this is like taken from original negatives, uh, but I've seen color shots of this movie, like with Robert De Niro uh, in the boxing ring. Is that stuff that's yeah. been colorized after or did they shoot this in color? It must I, be. Imagine they shot it in did color. Ted Tur- did Ted Turner lose his goddamn mind and, and, and colorize this thing for Turner classic movies? <laughs> Maybe. Like, or is Scorsese Maybe. say, I will send Bobby De Niro to your house to kick your ass. Or Him it might have been Joe Pesci tool you up. That were taken on the set. I don't know. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen color shots of it and it, I think I, I could buy that excuse because the blood is extreme. Um, yeah, you know, it's it went everywhere. spraying and that nose shot. I, I don't know what that would have looked like in color, but not good. Yeah, when like it like splashed over the announcers and stuff like that would have been some Friday yeah. the 13th shit, man. Some some real Bram Stoker Dracula kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Some Evil um, Dead 2 shit. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also like a little bit of. uh there's a little bit of um, like Maximus from Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Because mm-hmm. he the, the movie opens and ends with him kind of reciting that whole like uh, this, this speech he's got. This is a rhyming thing he wrote for himself and then bites the contemporaneous song. That's entertainment. Um, but like, that's the thing is like when you're watching the, the 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 book in at the end of the movie, you're like, I don't know if it is, man. This has been a real bummer, dude. Uh you should be Cinderella, man, and then you're not. You're just this bitter kind of rage monkey um, that that just destroys yeah. every relationship he gets into. Um, yeah, it was interesting when he's doing this rhyming, this this poetry sort of thing. I couldn't help but think of my dad, and my dad is not like this crazy rage monster. That I never abused me. But he's a showman. Like he's yeah. he's a bit of an entertainer, and also. He he used to do specifically this. I don't I don't know if you ever were privy to these, but he used to write like yes, stories I, about about just, just like he he picked something like oh everybody's going on a uh, this dude's going on a cruise right and he's writing a story about a cruise. But he would work the names of all of the people in our congregation into the story in a rhyming way, and I I couldn't help but think he must. I wonder if he got that from seeing this movie, huh? Because it is a little bit of the same cadence and it's a little exactly. bit of the same kind of cultural background. Yeah, right. I remember him reading a couple of those at like get togethers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. he, he liked <laughs> to do that stuff. So I, I do wonder if he got it from this movie, but I couldn't help but think of that. And the other yeah. thing like that, that kind of like club owner entertainer thing. Um, I know it's a staple with with boxers who are kind of past their prime, right? Like Rocky Balboa is another example of this where um, art is entertaining or imitating life uh because mm-hmm. they tend to do that right like rocky baboa he owns a club because all those old yeah. boxers like what do you do you're you're an entertainer and i was wondering if jake lamada was like a if he ever owned a club he might have um i don't know i didn't have time to research that but also does the character in this movie want to be an entertainer more than he wants to be a boxer because there is like an element of that in boxing right yeah, he wants to be loved and he feels like he's completely unworthy and incapable of being loved. Well, the only way um, he knows how to get love is expressing his rage. Um, 
Right. And and being right. that animal, right? People love him when he's in the ring because he's entertaining. He's making the money. And even when and even when he's in that entertainer mode, that's what he says. Like all this bull needs is a stage. Yeah. So you can let I'm me the rage. boss. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. Yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's uh and as far as the other like fight, like they did a really good job of capturing like how crazy because like I, the, the other thing is like this stuff had to be I know it was uh, racially charged. You know, you had the great white hope going against like the, the yeah. superlative black uh, boxer du jour. This at this he's going against consensus like who's your best who's the best boxer of all time? It's either Sugar Ray. It's Muhammad Ali, right? Um, but like the way that like people would get like crazy into that. Cause it was all like, imagine if like you had the culture war, we got fighting now, but you actually had this thing happening in like the MMA ring. Maybe it is. Maybe there's like a pride flag wearing boxer versus, I don't know, fucking Kekistan going Maybe. in some of this Dana white shit. But like, that was what it was. And these crowds would just go fucking crazy. Uh, there are these like near like they're like in the beginning of the movie. There's a scene where like this lady's getting trampled and like yeah. cops are getting pulled down out of the ring and getting the shit beat out of them. And like there was like genuine danger all around because, mm-hmm. you know, and the mob was all up in here. That's the thing. It's like 10 minutes in this movie. I remember uh, when we did the the recordings for like this week on Bald Move, I was talking about like, hey, we're going to finally see the non mobbed up Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> This movie's not not mobbed up. Like a second right. I saw this like Goomba in like uh pin pinstripe suit, I'm like, oh Jesus. Yeah. I got sold a false bill of goods. But <laughs> it's not like that's it's not I mean, they're almost like a temptation. You know, here's the quick and easy path. Like if you just do this thing, you can, you know, you can get your shot right now. It's it's more of a moral thing than it is like anything like literally about the mob i guess the wolf like you said wolf of wall street's the other one and they're um, a barrier too you know there's a certain level you can rise to until you gotta play the mobs game otherwise you're just not gonna go any higher right like there's a scene where they talk about hey he's not gonna get his shot at the champ until he comes to us does us a favor mm -hmm. because we control this yep um and i wonder if the if that's literally true uh, or if he had stuck the course and like, you know, uh, if, if like how much does the mob control that back then? I, I don't I don't know. But, you know, he did take the sh- if it was a shortcut, he did take the shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was fascinating how in the end of the movie like that, like I, I got the idea that he thinks that is his original sin. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing where everything went down. But like, dude, I've watched this whole movie and mm-hmm. like. They they just really clever thing where they just he just has this in lunatic relationship with his first wife. Um, where they're both like just antagonizing each other and they're doing their, you know, like, well, you gotta do this, so then I gotta do this, and then the next move is obvious to call you a bitch, and then I gotta call you the F slur, and then you got I gotta you gotta say you're gonna kill me, and I'm gonna say, Yeah, you and what army, and then shit's gonna start broken. Like it's this in like yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ, what a t- what a crazy fucking lunatic relationship. And then like Joe Pesci, his brother kind of calms him down. But then like the lunacy starts with him. Like he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, hit me in the face. Do you have any idea? I mean, like they, they sold me on the idea that this guy is just a dangerous person. And the rest of the movie, anytime he was in a group with someone like drinking, I was like a nervous wreck because this guy yeah. is just like one insult or like could be real or perceived slight away from mm-hmm. devastating a whole fucking room but like 
they, they sold us like there's like you know like it, we've all had I think friends that like maybe take things too far into teasing but like I've never had someone like this where like I'm literally afraid of them yeah and Joe Pesci who is a formidable I don't know if you know this a formidable presence himself is completely scared shitless in this er, this early uh, altercation he has with his brother and like again like wh- what was it for like Joe Pesci after he punches him a few times they exchange punches is like you're a nut you're a nut this is over it's dumb what are we proving? What are we proving? And like Jake, Jake didn't have an answer for that. Like, what the fuck was that about? Yeah. Uh, I don't have a good answer for that. There's, there's something he's trying to prove in this moment and I can't get in that headspace to tell you. But even then when he's so young and powerful, he's going on about how like he's got the shot of being the best welterweight in the world, but he's mad that he's born. I got that. I was born in these small hands. Look at these hands. I'm never going to get a chance. I'm never going to be able to get the heavy, heavyweight shot. I'm never going to be able to prove my, like he at no point in his life. Did he ever feel like he was like, like secure? Like, even if you got to be the consensus welterweight or middleweight, well, I'm not the heavyweight. So fuck me, I guess. And then right from that scene, they introduced this relationship with this very, turns out very, very young girl. Uh, that he seduces um, and you're like you, you start to think that like well maybe he just had like bad juju with that other woman but the bullshit starts almost immediately with her too um, yeah. and that's where I got that feeling that like he I don't it seems like there is there again I didn't do any real life examination of this guy but like there I feel like there's they're painting a guy who gets a very young woman who's kind of naive about the world and how things works. Enmeshes himself with her and then immediately thinks that he's not worthy of her and does things to try to drive her away. Like that's just like a pattern that he has repeated over and over and over again. And it gets him into trouble later in life. But did you get that? Uh, that's not exactly what I was picking up. I'm, I'm picking up more of the like conqueror type where like the challenge is presented to him as this is not a girl who you can just hop into bed with. Right. You're, you're going Mm -hmm. to need to do more here. Um, and it's, he's not a guy who's averse to work, right? He works his ass off, um, at his profession. And I think he's like kind of interested in the challenge of that. And once he gets, you know, past that initial phase of challenge, once he's conquered her essentially, it now moves into this phase of like domination uh, of, of like total domination, right? Where he, you know, and I, I don't know how far to go into like his specific mindset versus like the cultural uh, mindset that you see portrayed in basically all films about Italian Americans. Right. Um, so I, so I don't know if that's just like a cultural thing that Scorsese is leaning into here or if it's Jake in particular, but that's what I got. I, it was more of like the challenge of dominating this person just like he does in the ring. Hmm. Uh, and there's also kind of like, uh, he immediately makes an adversarial relationship where like, you know, he obviously, they don't spell this out, but he obviously is, you know, with the, in the, uh, the Rocky Balboa school of, uh, women take your legs out. You know, you can't, they're, they're talking yeah, about yeah. like, he can't have sex with her two weeks before a match, but he also, like they do this dance where he like she's like well you know I'm not supposed to be doing this Jake and he's like oh yeah but it's okay and then he gets her hot she gets him hot and bothered and then he like breaks off oh, I can't do it he's pouring down ice water down his pants but like I 
I don't know. I felt like like there is there's also these other things like these little things like in like in the beginning of the movie, you think that like maybe that's a game they play and he lets her win every once in a while. But then later in the movie where she's like really disenchanted with them, she said like we haven't had sex for because he's on that grind to try to get where now he's like taking the stuff seriously. Not I can't you know, I can't, I can't have sex with you because I, I don't know, lose my vital essence or whatever. Sure. Did you get it? Like, I just kept on like. There, there's not a lot of like from her perspective that we see like how oppressive this is. There's like one scene where she kind of lays it all out to to Joe Pesci, but like some of that yeah. stuff, I thought like well, what what well that, that feel like a, that felt like because like the first seduction scene he had with her felt very weird to me. Uh-huh. And I'm like, but I never know. Like this is a movie set in the '80s by Martin Scorsese, who's kind of like a, got a few screws loose about morality and stuff himself. Um. Well, and made I'm in like, the eighties, oh, yeah, set made in the eighties, right? 40s, set in the sixties, set in the forties, fifties, sixties. And I'm like, I'm not sure what they're like. I never know like what the sensibilities of this movie uh, are because I that's yeah. also Rocky. Like Rocky and mm-hmm. Adrian's relationship is very weird. And like, why? Yeah, in the first movie, yeah. But then it's like they they settled down and they they had this kind of like sweet relationship where she's kissing his boo boos and they have this kind of like kind of sexy dance about oh don't get me too excited. Like, why does that ever stop? Um, and I, it keeps coming back to him like he yeah. feels that he's a loser because he lost a fight. That's the only thing that buoys him up. So now hmm. when his wife's like, well, to get to get back right at the world, you should get this young, handsome that everyone's talking about. And he's like fixates on the fact that she called him handsome. Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to get that. Like once there's any chink in his armor, everything fucking spirals out of control. Mm hmm. Because they, they, he can get it back. Like he got his mo. Like when he, uh, there's this, um, m- like life and fight montage where things are going well for him, where he's like getting victory after victory, and he gets married, and Joe Pesci gets married, and they're starting a family, and everything looks really happy. So like he recovers from that early setback, but then you know it all, it kind of all goes to shit because again he's suspicious. Like you know he's got this worldview of like you know as well as I do that any woman can do anything at the right given time and need you to keep an eye on my wife. But then that leads to him thinking his brother, like I, I, that's the other thing is like, yeah. do you think Joe Pesci fucked his wife? No, I don't. I think there okay, was a either. lie detected there and he just assumed uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I also was taking a little bit of Joe Pesci from casino in here too. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, is he going to Sharon stone this? Uh, I, that, this, uh, I, I wasn't sure if they're going for that, but I, I, agree i think no one cheated on him yeah uh the only one that cheated in him anything is like himself and kind of rich that he blamed like it feels like he blamed his wife and his brother for all of his failures in life um Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um and they kind of short change the reconciliation or maybe they do it intentionally because there was no reconciliation maybe pashi never calls him you know, after he's approached, but there's, there's a transition here somewhere at the end where I, I think what's happening at the end of this movie is it is going back on the upswing, right? For Jake, because there, there's a period like he gets arrested, he gets thrown in jail. He's at his absolute low. Loses his club. Yeah. He, he's, he's fat. His wife leaves him all, all this stuff. He gets out and he's playing these dive bars, doing his shitty comedy routine. He clearly, you know, is still down in the dumps. He's dating like this 
the out of the older woman who's also a performer who's like it doesn't seem super successful because she's playing the same shitty club he is or the shitty bar. It's like a really bad dive bar kind of yeah, thing with like yeah, yeah, eight yeah. people in the bar. Certainly doing a far rank. cry from Jake LaMotta's club, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then by the end of the movie, he's now playing to a booked house in a place where he's dressing up all fancy. There's a green room, which I imagine there probably wasn't like a dressing room in this shitty bar that he played. He probably had to come ready sure. to go. He's moving up again, I think is what the movie is trying to say. And when he does the, you know, shadow boxing, getting ready for a fight thing at the end, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. I think that's saying like Jake is back into an old, older cycle, which is not a good thing, right? I mean, this character, when he gets on a roll. We've seen him in these, we've seen him on these highs two other times in the movie. And they're always devastating to people around him and, and they always crash in a fiery ending. But I think that's what the movie is trying to say, that the cycle is repeating. He's on the upswing again. And you're supposed to just think, well, this won't last, right? He's going to self-sabotage himself out of another chance, another opportunity. And he can self-sabotage. No, I think you're I think you're 100 percent right. Like, this is not a happy ending. This isn't like, oh, this is old, wise Jake. And he's really learned his lesson. This is another guy who's because like the the. Again, I think the 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 I could have been a contender speech, which, you know, this this was a famous speech from another movie that's quoted here. And everybody knows the like I, I knew about the contender yeah, speech. I was I waiting for it. The whole fuck. Yeah. I'm like, when is he going to bust out? The, I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Well, this is from and it's very Marlon Brando's movie on the waterfront. Is that? Yeah. 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 Right? Okay. The I haven't film seen on the waterfront. One. Right. Right. But like I, I knew it was in this thing and I'm like, where is it going to come? Where is it going to come? It comes at the very end of the movie. Yeah. But it's this is all about him blaming his brother for making him take the fall. Yeah. For getting and his brother didn't Tommy. do anything but offer him the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And when you, it's interesting you said to self-sabotage. There's so many instances of him self-sabotaging himself. But I was one of them. Yeah. yeah, you're supposed to take the fall. But don't be so fucking up. He did it in such a way that like everyone knew he took the fall. Yeah. Uh, to the extent that I thought that the Goomba, that they would be pissed. Like, I guess they made their money and that's all they cared about. But like, I thought yeah. that they'd be like, yeah, your boy fucking clown this. And we're in trouble with the commission and he can just take his title shot and fuck himself with it. But he didn't. He, he did lose a year and a half of his career because he got his license revoked and he was under all the scrutiny and scandal. Mm-hmm. But then like when he went down for the underage trafficking of girls. He had the shot to get like for $10,000 to pay the right people to make it go away. And this lunatic goes, breaks into his ex-wife's house, you know, performatively scares all the kids and does all this stuff, which is the second time he's done it in the movie, gets his championship belt and pries all the diamonds out of it. Like, do you think he's yeah. so stupid that he didn't know that the championship belt of the world would be more valuable than its constituent parts? Or did he... Because I thought that was a deliberate self-sabotage, too. It is. Um, well, yeah, deliberate. It's hard to say what's deliberate with this guy. But, like, it is a self-sabotage. It's just, like, he's got this ego and it's all tied up in this belt, right? And so he's not going to give up the belt. He's got the fucking belt. They can't take that from me. I think is a line that he says in the movie. So he's taking the jewels out of the belt, thinking, I'll get some money for these, but I'll still have the belt, right? Mm-hmm. That's just like when he took the on. dive like I, I'll take the dive but I'm not going to I'm going to make sure everybody knows I, I could beat this tomato can and I'm not going like, down no problem right you didn't get I'm me not down going down yeah. yeah yeah like even Joe Pesci is like if you're like yeah that's the thing it's like so why if you're going to if you're going to compromise your morals like 
uh, you know, you I, mean, I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you do a Pulp Fiction where it's like, actually, I'm going to double cross all you people bet on myself and go to Indochina with a bunch <laughs> of money in my there. That's one thing. Yeah. But the like half ass, uh, 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 throw in a match in, in a way that gets you so much heat and so much shit for it. I just felt like there's like, that's a constant theme of him. Like you said, s- sabotaging his, his self. Um, and I wasn't sure what to make about his the the confrontation he has with his brother at the end of the movie, um, because in it did feel garage. like a reconciliation. Yeah, it did not feel like a reconciliation. It felt like, yeah, you know, Joey doing whatever he could to get out of that without his brother, like beating the piss out of him and just like, yeah, I'll tell him whatever. And I just need to get away from this guy. And it was sad. Yeah. But yeah, he took from that. That that immediately led to the I could have been a contender and my brother fucked me speech. So what did he learn? What did he learn from that? Nothing. I have a really hard time figuring out Pesci in this movie. His, his character of, of Joey, Joey, Joey LaMotta, mm-hmm. I assume. Because uh, mm-hmm. he's got the same hot headed, like Italian, uh, you know, boiling blood streak that his brother does. And it manifests in a lot of the same ways, like the way he treats his wife. It, it, it may be just in front of Jake. I don't know if this is like an act. He's got to he's got to act the part for his brother. Otherwise, his brother will give him shit. They'd call him the other F word, all that stuff, and they'll get into it. Maybe he does this performatively. But in the scenes where you see him interacting with his wife and, and children, he also has like the same mannerisms with them. He calls them names. He tells them to shut up. He's like super disrespectful. It, and yet, like, he's portrayed as somehow better than Jake in this movie, and I just don't get it. I don't see it. I mean, I, I thought he might have get, get killed when he jumps all those the mobsters in the club, you know, after <sighs> yeah. they insulted his wife, brother and his wife. And, uh, yeah, he is he, he is a high, but he's not as bad as his brother, I guess, is the, the only like he can be reasoned with and. <sighs> I guess, yeah, but he's, he's but he doesn't have that head of, of rock, right? That they're talking about. Yeah, uh, what that except for that one scene, I wouldn't think it'd be even a question. Yeah, but that one scene where he just completely loses control and like goes after a made man in a way that probably would have gotten him killed had his brother not been a very successful boxer that this the the head of the family thought he could get some leverage over. Yeah, that like really you know kind of put put that. You know, like how, yeah, but would these guys really be that much different if I don't know? Yeah, uh, probably. And not. then the, the, the other self sabotage is why didn't he just knock Sugar Ray out or box him straight up? Why does that last one? Does he have to let Sugar Ray completely dominate him, beat his ass just so he knows, like, I took your best shot and you couldn't knock me down? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, he took your belt. I don't, I don't know what else is going to happen. And that seems like that's where that, that fight was one of the things that like led him into Palookaville, mm-hmm. you know, like he never quite recovered his p- prestige and, and everything from, from that point. And then like, then it's like, then it's like the excuses, like, uh, are you retiring because you really have nothing left to prove? Or are you retiring and you just want to get fat? Or are you retiring because you just don't got it no more? And you know, yeah. Uh, and there's also the question because like a lot of those boxers like Sugar Ray for example made fortunes and then retired broke as hell and had to do shit like that to get by Um, and it's real sad and I wasn't sure if he was one of those guys that did that too because it kind of hints at it like he had this 
when uh-huh. he first retired, he had his palace, this nice place at the pool. And then he lost his wife and kids and maybe she got the house. And now he's in like this big club goes to jail. Now he's, it does seem like it was a, it was a typically Rocky rags, riches rag story. Yeah, um, for sure. Hey, you know, the one thing also, they don't do in this movie that surprised me um, because they're constantly making references to his head of stone, head of rock, whatever they want to call it. Yeah, they, they don't yeah. do anything with him taking one too many punches. Right. Uh, and getting a little punchy like Punch they drunk, do yeah. in so many other boxing movies. Uh, Rocky being an example of that, right? Like uh, when Rocky Balboa comes back, everybody's talking about him being a little punchy. Uh, I, I guess I was surprised that they never went that direction in this movie. I wonder if they, cause I, I think in, in the eighties, was that even a thing that people talked about? Maybe not. Cause I thought that like, yeah. that's one that like, um, the very obvious decline of uh, Muhammad Ali is like, I remember like people starting to talk about like that then. Yeah. Um, but like, in, it might be that like, that just wasn't something that people associated with the old boxers, you know? Um, I mean, yeah. it was like, cause like, I, I, it's not that it wasn't happening. It's just that like, if it happened to you, people just, you know, you were no, no longer fa- You're just a crazy boxer guy. You know, yeah. you weren't, people weren't, you know, doing stories on you or nothing. Like we didn't like that. We don't like when our heroes bodies are, and brains are battered and broken to uselessness. That's ah, don't, don't, we don't truck with that. I mean, look how long it took sure. for the NFL, like beyond when they knew that like there's traumatic brain energy in injuries versus when they actually started doing something about it versus when they actually started doing something about it. <laughs> right. Like I, I can't imagine an eighties boxer movies. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah, maybe they're punchy or this, that, but like, yeah, that's not, that's not a big deal. Right. And what do you expect? They're engaging in this, this sport. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, um, classic Pesci, uh, De Niro lines in here. Like the one, yeah. the, like, uh, cause the, after I saw casino and Goodfellas, I gotten most of them, but the, I never heard the like, uh, oh, you heard things? I heard some things. Oh, you heard some things? I heard things. Like that whole thing. That was so What'd fun. What'd you hear? I things, you know? Yeah, I just said, I just, yo, you heard things? I heard some things, People Joey. talk. Like, I hear things. I fucking, and Ebert said something about like the very particular rhythm these guys have. Yeah. Where it's like, they're just like, they're plugged into a particular, like they probably heard their dads and their uncles and people. In the, oh yeah. Like this, this, this kind of like, and also I got a kick out of like how the whole neighborhood gets involved in like your personal mm-hmm. disputes. Well, Shut up can down they there, not? you bunch of animals. Yeah. Like, like imagine being like next, living next to this guy who's a boxer. He's super violent. He's screaming and yelling. And if you ever challenge him, he's going to be beating you. Like, <laughs> There's no yeah. air conditioning. Everybody's windows are open in summer, right? Like they're going to hear everything that's going on and it's horrifying. Oh, yeah. 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 And the other thing is like, I, uh, I had a real, I had a, like a real, like uh, flash of empathy for gay men at the time. Cause like this was touched on with like Lovecraft country. Like we talked about Atticus's dad mm, and it's yeah. like, Nowadays, they only show like, you know, they'll show like one scene of like him getting a bunch of like shit for being gay or his dad saying something or this or that. But it's like always. But like you watch things like this, and it's not even about this. Right. It's not even about like the experience, but like how woven into the fabric, especially in some of these minorities like Italian Americans, African Americans, like how utterly impossible it must have felt to be like a gay you know, any man in the fifties and sixties, but like particularly like an Italian American. Yeah. For you sure. know, like how that, that this is just a non viable life path. 
I mean, you uh, almost couldn't even be just a non-macho straight guy, right? <laughs> you, you can't, yeah, you just like, can't let be alone, a dude. Yeah, let alone actually being gay. That would be hell. Yeah. I can't imagine it. Yeah, and that's so it's, it's movies like this. It's like it's not even the point of the movie, but just like the fabric of life and the fact this movie in the eighties is just like portraying that with any with like like it's not even like making a commentary. It's just like this is just the oxygen of the neighborhood. Like how yeah. many assaults to your manhood you endured all the fucking time. Holy hell, it's a lot. Like I'd imagine it'd be legitimately triggering to 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 watch uh right. uh nowadays because it's just like yeah, a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Robert De Niro's transformation in this movie. Because, um, yeah, he did gain 60 pounds over the course of this. And he started in very good shape, obviously. Um, Best I've ever seen, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and over the course of the movie, they show a kind of a progression, right? It's like it doesn't just like cut to 20 years later and he's got the huge gut and 60 pounds he he kind of does it over the course of some of the filming like there's a scene it, it's that you know you hear things i hear things uh that scene yeah. where he's kind of got a bit of a gut it's maybe like oh he's gained 10 pounds and depeche's pointing out like i can't see past your fat gut to to, to see the tv right. uh yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah so like there is a progression toward that but then when they do cut to the future and you see 1961 or whatever Jake LaMotta, there's a lot of stuff that Robert De Niro is doing intentionally in his performance to make it seem like he's uh, yeah. a very large man having having trouble breathing, right? Like, and it was probably the nose shit that they put on him, but it really made me feel the weight, the extra baggage that he's carrying because he's breathing through his mouth the whole time. He's just it's season <sighs> one, Tony Soprano versus season six, Tony Soprano. Like okay, Gandolfini goes through similar where like, you know, he's all, but he's like so much more fat and out of shape in the later seasons. And it's yeah. you're right. It's the breathing. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a labored it, it, like I've got 20 pounds gained on my 65 chest. pounds. He right. actually I know what that's like, man. Yeah. You are breathing different. You sure uh, are. Yeah. And so the fact that maybe like they put that prosthetic on him and he couldn't breathe through his nose very well. It just it really lended to the performance there. And of course, De Niro's doing well plenty of heavy lifting on his own without it but it's really good it was very convincing he was nominated for an oscar did he win he won it yeah did uh, he win the oscar because i know uh, uh moriarty was nominated i don't know if she won though pesci was too yeah she, so the the awards that this she's amazing got, as well she's good it's it's an odd performance um it, it's of that like timid woman uh variety that you see a lot in she's these types really of that movies timid, though like she's not a adrian for sure like she's she's not got, yeah i mean she the other thing is like she's only i think she's only 19 in this film and she's playing okay. 15 in the early goings but like all right well, she's got to feel like nuanced, I, I, yeah. I, I, she's she's got like yeah i mean she's there's um She's got a physical presence that even like when uh, Jay's like Jake's like slapping around and stuff like she's not exactly cowed by it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she also she also gets away from him, which I think makes it um, a little bit more tolerable than like, uh, you know, like some of the shit that goes on between um, uh, the, the car. What is it? What What's what's uh, what's Michael's Michael Corleone's wife, sister? I, Connie. Right. Oh, oh, with Sonny. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the stuff that goes on with with, with Connie and uh, Carlo, uh, yeah. Carlos, uh, like that shit is just like fucking, you know, goddamn miserable. There's no, there's it's it's vicious. And there's no escape from it. Like she, yeah. um, I don't know. Like she gave she like there's 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 something there's just something fierce to her that I thought that uh, and also she's just physically imposing too. She's nearly as tall as De Niro. Um, yeah. For sure. So like, it's just not that Sharon felt. Stone uh, casino esque uh, performance. She's not that insane, I, uh, right? Right. <laughs> it's not. It's not as flashy. It's maybe I shouldn't call it like, yeah, you know, timid woman, but it's more like a, a subdued performance is what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing about the casino is that that was we talked about that like being the like the paper rock scissors of psychopaths. You know, like they all had. Uh, they're yeah, all strong man. to one, weak to the other, and this was more like this guy's just a paper rocks and scissors, all all wrapped up himself. Yeah. Uh, so this movie did win a lot of awards. A, it's it's the number four movie on the AFI's uh, top one hundred list of all time. I knew it was top ten. I didn't know it was that high. Damn, top five. Wow. Yeah, it's impressive. Uh, so it was nominated for, and the box office or the reception of this movie was not amazing when it first came out. It didn't make very much money at all. It had a budget of like 18 million and made 23 or something. And then a critics black and white were like, non art eh. house film must have been a hard sell. Yeah. Really? The critics were mad on it. Yeah. Mostly because of the violence. Uh, they didn't like that. It was so violent. Huh. Um, but eventually, you know, everybody came around on this movie, obviously. Uh, it did win and it started to really come around during the award season because it won two awards. It was nominated for eight. Uh, the ones that it did win were actor, uh, best actor in a leading role for De Niro, best film editing. It won. Uh, and then the other ones that it was nominated for best picture, best actor in a supporting role for Pesci, best actress in a supporting role for Kathy. Is that her name? Uh-huh. Uh, best Kathy Moriarty. Moriarty, yeah. Uh, best director, Scorsese, obviously. Best cinematography and best sound. So it was it was pretty well recognized when it came to award season that year. And then and it's just grown in reputation. We talked about the boxing stuff, but there's also some other great scenes like him in the cell at the end of the movie where he's just like punching yeah. the walls and going to crazy. And it's like there's just a there's just a single shaft of light illuminating the otherwise just inky blackness and him kind of drifting in and out of that light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally just completely succumbing to the shadows and like sobbing and feeling sorry for himself and say, you know, like, why, 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 you dummy? Yeah, um, and, and how I'm not stark that, guy. that I'm was. Not that guy. You are that guy, buddy. Yeah. Um, I thought that stuff was really, and you you wouldn't have got that effect if you hadn't shot it in like this very stark, stark, like silver screen type of black and white. And I talked about like my expectation going into this movie. And I feel like that was sort of, uh, I got the switcheroo pulled on me by that opening sequence, which is filmed like a dance, right? With this classical music playing behind, behind it by this Italian composer. and like it's a beautiful scene and you're you're just sort of mesmerized by it and then the whole damn thing turns ugly very quickly i tell you scorsese's a smart guy man because i feel like that's all fucking intended right that's the movie in the microcosm you think everything's going right and then something turns and the whole situation goes ugly Mm -hmm. um and he does this also, a lot in his movies. Yeah. When was technical knockouts invented? Because maybe that was like Ohio was the one place. Because like I, I, I meant to look that up. Yeah. But like 
Yeah, the whole the whole thing went bad because uh, he lost a fight to technicality, even though he knocked this guy down three times in the last round. I'm like, well, there's your mm-hmm. TKO. And they made a big deal about because of the Ohio Boxing Commission's bullshit rules. Right. <laughs> uh, so I was yeah. like, when did they come when they invented TK or maybe Ohio was like the last state in the union to add that uh, a mercy rule kind of. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know when that happened, but there were technical knockouts, but that was when the fight was called because uh, you know someone wasn't defending themselves wouldn't come out well of the enough corner, or yeah. wouldn't come out of the corner yeah did you know that this was john Turturro's very first movie that he was ever in i i surmised because you'd mentioned something about recognizing him and something you were looking at but i didn't i had no idea it's his first role ever wow yeah he was an extra in this movie um just kind of sitting at one of the tables that jake is sitting at and you only see him in the side of the frame. It's not it's not like he gets a close up or anything. I was just like, that looks a lot like John Turturro. And I looked it up. It's definitely him. Yeah, apparently he was an extra uh, as his first role in this movie. That's a Damn. pretty nice. That's a pretty good film to be in for your first role. It's like it was like Bruce Willie being uh, an extra in the verdict, just sitting there chilling in the, oh, the right. observation box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not a bad way to get your movie career started. That mm-hmm. is cool was uh the other thing i was wondering about is several times during this movie pesci calls jake jack and i didn't know if that was accidental um and something they just didn't catch and pull out of the movie or if that was intentional and this is just like a nickname between brothers i don't know jack seems to be a very malleable nickname because like i've heard john's jonathan's Mm -hmm. You know, people actually name Jack as just just their name. Uh, sometimes Jim or James will get to be a Jack, although that's more like a Jim kind of thing. But like could uh, be. John could Lovitz be just calls everybody Jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look here, Jack. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that was because uh, I, I, I caught it, too. But I just assumed like, oh, that must be a nickname. Well, that's entertainment. Uh, thank you for joining us with this uh, on this prestige podcast. Rather, we'll be back for another classic out of Hollywood, or hopefully, we're gonna get a prestige series here pretty soon that we can grind on week by week. Uh, either way, we'll be here next week for another dose of Bald Move Prestige. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See you, everybody. <laughs>